0: Hey guys, welcome back to episode 8 of the Confessions from the 2A Ranch Wife podcast. Today we're going to debunk the myth versus fact about fake meat versus real meat. We're going to dive into all of the fact-based research and evidence and really just take a look at the two choices and see what it's all about. So thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. To the 2a ranch wife podcast where ranch wife ag educator cow lover jessica anderson shares real life ranch stories discusses all things beef and shares her insight about agriculture as a passionate advocate and wife to the cow boss jessica keeps it real raw and genuine from inspiring cattle tales to telling it straight with all the facts about cattle and agriculture We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. And like I had mentioned, we are going to talk about real meat versus fake meat and all of that jazz. This has been quite the topic or hot topic in the industry right now. There's a lot of concern as beef producers about how this is going to affect our supply and demand of the cattle we're raising and the beef that we're providing, as well as quite a bit of negative attention that has been circling the industry. I don't know if you guys watch the Oscars or the Golden Globes, but I'm sure you've seen some of the Hollywood actors use their platform and stage to take a stand against animal agriculture. And all of what goes with that and so today we're just really going to kind of dive in and take a look at you know this fake meat versus real meat and see what it's all about kind of going back to the hollywood actors using their stage as a platform against animal agriculture i'm sure you've heard a lot about you know the effects of it on climate change and sustainability and you know being closer to nature and without mentioning too many names it's it's out there and it's you know biting at our heels and what are we gonna do as cattle producers and ranchers and farmers to stand up against this and say hey what we're doing matters and actually even though you guys may not think so we really do care we really do care about our environment and how we raise our animals and the product that we're bringing to the consumers and so um, today I just want to take a look at what's going on with that fake meat versus real meat since there's such this huge push against animal agriculture and finding a plant-based protein source instead. So with that, the information that I'm gonna be sharing today is provided by the Beef Checkoff and our National Beef Council. They are a wonderful organization that does so much for the beef industry. And if you haven't had the opportunity to look into them, I really strongly suggest you do. They offer a great program called the Masters of Beef Advocacy, and if you decide to sign up and go through that program, you can then even apply to become one of their top beef advocates. I shared a little bit about that experience last year, and it's just a a phenomenal organization. They support us tremendously, and it's our job as producers and storytellers to step up and take the support and research and, Evidence that they give us and then take it out to the real world you know we all have our followers on Instagram and Facebook and our tribe and people who turn to us for that real knowledge and you know we are their voice so the beef checkoff program really does an amazing job back in January I was at our cattlemen's convention here in Nevada and we had a speaker from the California Nevada Beef Council and they were talking about meat substitutes, the research, the strategy and what all goes into it and really giving us as producers an insight to what this fake meat is doing to our industry. And after I heard this presentation, I thought, oh man, I need to get my hands on that and share that with all of you. And so that's exactly what I'm gonna do today. I'm also going to share this PowerPoint with you on the website as well as the handouts that I refer to in this podcast. I know if you're driving, you can't look at this stuff, but if you get a chance and you wanna log back on and take a look at it for yourself, um, it'll be there for you and feel free to share it on social media and have those conversations with you know, your friends and your tribe about this. So today we're gonna jump in into that. Talking about meat substitutes, the research and the strategy behind it, and really we're gonna just be covering some of the latest market research and share what we're doing on a national level to address this issue of meat substitutes. I'm sure some of you have already heard about it and seen, you know, the impossible burger at I believe it's Burger King and the meatless burger and all of those things and you know, what's that going to do to us as an industry? And today we're going to really look at it and how that affects us. So jumping in talking first about beef consumption and demand. So if we're looking at a graph and an overall look at the broader protein market, and so what I mean looking at beef versus pork versus chicken versus turkey, what those actual meat protein sources are, meat and poultry consumption are projected to reach an all-time high, and they did in 2019. So, really, what that suggests is that real meat protein is staying pretty darn strong. Chicken definitely leads the way, and it is probably beef's number one competitor, but beef is number two and has had really great, strong growth over several years. So, now if we look at beef consumption from 2015 to 2019, it's grown, it's grown from 53.9 pounds in 2015 all the way to 57.7 pounds per capita consumption in 2019. So even though there is a lot of negative press and attention around beef, you can still see that the numbers show that beef consumption is still on the rise. So that's, that's something to you know, keep in the back of our minds. Some other things to look at is the retail beef demand, and that also continues to strengthen. While we know that demand is more than just consumption, it's consumption at specific price points. And so, you know, I'm looking at a graph in front of me, and I know you don't have that in front of you, but basically what I can see is that when you look at this data, retail beef demand has remained strong, and it's actually grown 16% since 2012 so what that's saying is people still want beef they still want those steaks they still want those hamburgers they still enjoy sharing beef around the dinner table and eating it with a meal in a meal with their family and so beef demand is still on the rise all right now so now that we kind of have a grasp of what the beef demand is and what that looks like for us as producers let's take a look at meat substitutes in 2019, if we are looking at these meat substitutes, we have all of animal protein versus substitutes, and it's only 0.3% of that protein market that substitutes actually carried. Now, if we look at it versus beef versus beef substitutes, it only has a 0.5% share. So, granted. Though that market share has grown 0.2%, it really hasn't grown that much. When we are looking at these things, these are products that are specifically looking in terms of beef substitutes, things like the Impossible Burger or the Beyond Burger. And the Beef Checkoff funds research to look at the market shares of these substitutes and compare them against animal proteins, so chicken, pork, turkey, lamb, those kinds of things and then also beef specifically. And as we can see, those beef substitutes as compared to beef and animal proteins really still have a very, very small share of the market. I'm gonna load these graphs to the website and so you can actually take a look at them for yourself. I think, you know, the proof is in the numbers and it's it's pretty incredible when we actually look at it and kinda of turn away and, and maybe stop scrolling on social media, but actually look at what market research is showing to us. Now let's look at diet trends. And we're looking at meat eaters as in comparison to vegan vegetarians and just vegetarians. One question that is frequently heard is that the number or percentage of vegans or vegetarians has grown or changed since the introduction of these new products. And are these products driving more people to become vegetarians and vegans? And the simple answer when we're looking at this graph is no. You can see that the vast majority of the population still loves meat. They are animal protein eaters. And looking at the numbers, our numbers fluctuate between 93 to 96% as actual total percentage of protein eaters as in comparison to vegans and vegetarians and the numbers are showing that even though we have these substitutes, that more people are not choosing a vegan or vegetarian lifestyle. We can attribute some of the spike in that number to traditional meat eaters being curious and wanting to try it for themselves, but then actually going back to eating an animal protein source. So um, I think this is pretty amazing, especially when we look at it over the last 12 years there hasn't been hardly any change in the number of vegetarians and vegans increasing. And so what that is suggesting is that, you know, maybe their noise and their voice is just loud on those social media outlets, but yet the numbers aren't actually jiving with what they're throwing out there at us. If we look at the growth of these meat substitutes at the retail level. You can see that, sure, the meat substitute growth compared to itself from 2017 to 2018 is strong, but there was significant tapering off at the end of 2019. And this shows that there is some flattening out of the penetration of these products in the market. And while the growth may look large, people are considering that these products, you know, still make up less than 1% of the total market share of protein consumed. So even though within their own little bubble, beef substitute had a spike, it still is less than 1% of the the total protein market share. So that's pretty interesting too. Now, if we look at protein consumption, as compared between meat alternatives, beef, chicken, pork, and fish, what we can see is that of what consumers are eating on a weekly basis, 68% choose beef, 81% choose chicken, 44% choose pork, 40% choose fish, and only 24% are choosing meat alternatives. Chicken is actually still beef's number one competitor as far as a protein source, but our meat alternatives are actually below all meat protein sources um, compared together. So what this is suggesting is that people are choosing chicken over beef as their protein source in their diets, but they're not really increasing meat alternatives in their diets. So perhaps where someone may have enjoyed a meatless salad in the past, their acts they would then choose a meat alternative, but they're not they wouldn't have been someone that used to order tri-tip on their salad and then are choosing a meat alternative in lieu of beef. So some interesting stuff here. All right. Now let's look at reasons for future consumption. And so Health is pretty much the number one reason consumers choose or have chosen to use meat alternatives as compared to the environment or animal treatment. And of those people choosing to eat more of those meat alternatives, let, you know, what are the reasons for that? And by far, health is the number one perceived advantage. So to me, that's really interesting. And we're gonna dive into the actual health benefits of a meat alternative versus eating beef. And so the perceived, and that's the operative word there, the perceived perception is that it's healthier for them. So what does that tell us as an industry or me as an individual? What what maybe should we be doing instead when we're promoting beef? We spend a lot of a lot of time on animal treatment and how we take care of them and the environment but maybe we also need to be spending just as much time on talking about how healthy beef can be as a protein source. So on this next slide, if you were taking a look at it, these are items that consumers eat instead of meat. So in the past, what people would have chosen as a meat alternative. And we have things from like legumes, beans, rice, um, baked potatoes, salads, veggies, plant-based proteins, etc etc and you can still see that plant-based proteins or meat like patties is still pretty low at the bottom at 29 percent in summary looking at the meatless option we can see that the retail beef demand and beef consumption are still strong and actually numbers indicate that they're getting stronger the percentage of vegans and vegetarians is extremely low and even though Media would have us convinced otherwise, that number is in fact not growing. Meat substitutes represent only a tiny fraction of the market share in dollars sold, and that beef's biggest competitor is actually chicken. It's not a meatless burger. Meat substitute eaters are eating just as much beef as they ever have, and consumers eat a variety of foods when they don't choose meat. So it's not just that they're gonna you know turn off of meat completely and go with a meat substitute they actually eat other things like beans and legumes and things like that and that meat substitute sales at retail have actually slowed so like i indicated there was a spike because of that curiosity level but in fact the numbers are actually showing that it has slowed down and um, has actually not increased the number one reason that people are choosing a meat alternative is because of the health perception. And so how do we then take that knowledge and position beef as the top protein? What can we do? What can we share? What can we say to show people, to to explain to people, to encourage people to pursue beef as a top protein choice? And so that's kind of where we need to focus now. And so that's what we're going to talk about is positioning beef as that top protein. If we're addressing meat substitutes and looking at beef as the top protein through a proactive campaign. What are those things that we can do? And so how are these meat substitutes being addressed? While data does show that these substitutes are a very small percentage of the marketplace, the beef checkoff is definitely not resting on that. What we're gonna share now is what's being done to address these products to ensure that they continue to remain a small percentage. The beef checkoff, an amazing program, has tactics that address meat substitutes head on. And if you were looking at the picture that I'm looking at, you will see that those tactics are on the left and those things are like paid content. Some of you may have seen those nicely done ads. We do supply chain webinars, so for those retailers that purchase beef and meat substitutes. Um, Instacart digital ads and media outreach. Those direct examples of what we're doing to position beef as number one protein against all proteins are being used and working with major broadcast partners to highlight beef such as through the MasterChef series which was really cool last. I believe it was either last year or the year before they had an entire episode where on MasterChef they used beef as the protein king which is really neat um, the focus is positioning beef against all proteins not just focusing on it against the meat substitutes and meat alternative. through research what we know is that consumers do not respond favor favor uh, excuse me that is a hard word to say favorably when we directly compare beef to substitute products they don't consider substitute products a competitor to, v- to beef and they view these comparisons malevolent what this is saying though and what we can kind of decipher from this is consumers do react most positively, when messaging highlights beef's benefits. Rather than taking the let's attack our opponent stance, let's just talk about how great beef is. Let's not worry about comparing ourselves. You know, a lot of times when we scroll through Facebook or Instagram, we call it comparisonitis, and it makes us kind of get down on ourself. The same thing can be applied to beef. So let's just focus on what beef's doing really well. The Beef Checkoff-funded programs continue to address meat substitutes indirectly by focusing on beef's people, the pleasure, and the protein stories, so what those great things that beef is doing, and the attributes that make beef unique, so why beef is so great. We're also taking advantage of strategic opportunities to more directly address these products, so working with consumer ads, media outreach, supply chain communication, and doing this respectfully, fairly, and with beef signature swagger. The Nicely Done Beef ad campaigns reached more than 700,000 consumers. So I don't know if any of you have seen them before, but if you were to Google them, they'd definitely pop up on your screen. And one of them has a picture of some tacos and it says, Nicely Done Beef, you build strong muscles, no protein shaker required. So it kind of has this pun intended humor kind of, you know, sarcastic level to it. And that's the swagger that Beef has taken. And so one way that Beef has kind of postured themselves in the industry is through these nicely done ad concepts that are seen on a variety of digital and online platforms. They're a bit light, more lighthearted and a little tongue-to-cheek. And these ads that I'm looking at right now, um, have done really great. They've been seen more than eight million times, which is a ton, and resulted in over 700,000 clickbacks to the beefwhatsfordinner.com website for consumers to actually then learn more about beef. The beef it's what's for dinner ad has appeared in more than 75,000 searches. And while we think a lot of consumers are talking and thinking about these meat substitutes based on the media attention we see in here, what we really know through research is that consumer trends is that the issue is not substantially penetrating the consumer's actions and behaviors. So what we mean here is, for example, there's a minimal number of Google searches for actual substitutes. However, what people are searching for, when people are searching for those substitutes They want to make sure that we're positioning beef in creative ways. And in June, the Beef Checkoff started running a Google search campaign. So if you're searching for a meat substitute product, you're actually going to see the Beef It's What's For Dinner campaign pop up and then drive you back to the Beef It's What's For Dinner website to talk about how beef is actually a really great protein source. Since this campaign started, these ads like I had mentioned have appeared in more than 75,000 searches and resulted in more than a thousand clickbacks to beef It's what's for dinner. So it's just posturing beef in the correct way as in comparison to those beef substitutes. So some takeaways to remember when we get nervous that you know what are these meat substitutes doing to our beef demand? is that the beef demand is actually remaining strong. Consumers continue to crave real beef. They enjoy the taste of it. And that we believe in consumer choice and education, innovation, and the use of technology and truth and marketing. So beef is taking the stance, as many of us ranchers and farmers believe in, in. let's just share our story and tell the truth. With that being said, one of the take home messages here is that we as an industry need to talk about really how great beef is as a protein and take that offense approach rather than the defense approach. And some handouts I'm gonna include as well for you to click back to on the website is looking at proteins and how not all proteins are created equal. So one great thing about beef that we can share is that a three ounce serving of beef is actually going to replace all sorts of other protein sources. So for example, you would have to eat three cups of quinoa to take in the same amount of protein that a three ounce portion of beef gives you, not to mention those three cups of quinoa are over 600 calories where the beef is only 173. So it's kind of crazy when we think about it, proteins aren't created equal. You can eat just a nice three ounce serving of beef, get 25 grams of protein, less than 200 calories, as in comparison to trying to eat three cups of quinoa. Taking a look at protein's really great ability to, excuse me, taking a look at beef's really great ability to be a superior source of protein. Another thing to look at when we're looking at beef is that it gives us a high quality protein that we need to maintain a healthy weight and preserve to build muscle. A three ounce serving of beef provides that 25 grams of protein, those 10 essential nutrients in one little tasty package, and that's 50% of your recommended daily value of protein. It's pretty amazing. It's also a wonderful source for keeping your body strong and lean. If you're feeling hungry by eating that protein source, it's gonna fill you up longer and keep you satisfied and then help you not to overeat. And by eating a healthy lean protein, you can get more workouts in. And studies show that exercise is more effective when it's paired with a high protein diet and beef provides those wonderful amino acids that are necessary for building and replenishing muscles when we're working out. Not to mention, heart healthy diets with a high quality lean protein reduce the risk of chronic disease and high blood pressure. And did you know that 60% of all beef cuts are actually considered a lean source of protein? So if you are thinking chicken versus steak, if you choose a lean cut of beef, something that has the word loin or round in the name, a three ounce serving is going to give you all those things you need all the lean benefits of that protein, as in comparison to having to eat eight ounces of chicken. Choosing beef as an alternative lean protein source is really a great option. And it offers so many of those things that we need in our diet. Another thing I wanna look at that I'm gonna add to the website is that when people are choosing substitutes for beef or meat alternatives, the number one thing that drives their decision is the perception of what is healthy. And so this handout is provided by the California Cattlemen's Association. And I think it's great because it shows plant-based burgers, Beyond Meats and the Impossible Burger, as in comparison to beef. And they chose to use 85% lean ground beef and 93% lean ground beef. And you can look at the calories, fat, saturated fat, carbohydrates and protein. And so what we can take away from that is if we chose 93% lean ground beef as in comparison to either of the plant-based burgers, it is less calories. We have 172 calories as compared to 250 and 240. It only has eight grams of fat as compared to 14 and 18. It only has zero carbohydrates. So if you are into keto dieting or high protein diets, high fat diets and low carbs, beef is a wonderful source of that because it's not gonna add any carbohydrates to your diet where those plant-based burgers are adding either nine grams or three grams. And then protein. For a four ounce serving of lean ground beef, you have 24 grams of protein that you're getting as in comparison to 19 grams and 20 grams. And the thing I think that's even more amazing, we all talk about wanting to eat clean and healthy and closer to nature. If you're looking at the ingredient list, when we're looking at ground beef, there's one ingredient and it's hundred percent beef. Whereas in comparison to the Impossible Burger, it has 21 different ingredients on the ingredient list and Beyond Meats has 18. So right there, when you're, you know, putting all of this information in your mind and trying to figure out what's the best thing for you, just take a look at the what's right in front of you. Take a look at the label. It'll, it'll tell you right there, you know, that lean beef is, is a wonderful protein source. So I'll add that infographic up there as well for you. The last thing I want to talk about is a slide I saw posted from the Cattlemen's College that went on at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association convention a couple weeks ago. And what I, I just think it's amazing. And it's basically what the slide said is that consumers are unfamiliar with how cattle are raised, but consider those aspects when they're choosing their protein. And that goes right back into all of this that we're talking about. It's all about perception. Only 27% can say that they are familiar with how cattle are raised. And so what does that mean is we need to share our story. We need to talk about what we're doing. We need to talk about how beef is a wonderful lean protein source. We need to to share about it and build those connections and relationships and rapport and not tell people that they're silly for not knowing, but just share, share in a lighthearted way. And though people don't know very much about how beef cattle are raised, the perception that they have taken from that still drives how and what they choose as their protein source. So I think that is really, really interesting. So a lot of information today, I know we kind of debunked plant-based protein versus beef and meat protein sources and a lot of statistics and numbers in this. And I know this might be a kind of a hard podcast to follow along because I'm referring to slides that were provided by the Beef Checkoff and I'll post those for you so you can definitely go back and look at them. But really, the take home message here is that we need to just keep showing up, sharing our story, talking about beef and just beef, not comparing ourselves to other things in a negative light, highlighting what beef has to offer and meeting each other with smiles on our faces and a willingness to have this conversation. And so in light of the recent events in media and what they would have us believing and thinking we need to stand strong and hard in our beliefs that what we're doing as american ranchers and farmers is truly amazing we are blessed with this opportunity to feed america and we've been given this grit and this perseverance and this passion to do just that and these Challenges wouldn't be placed in front of us if the good Lord didn't know that we had the ability to face them head on. And there's strength in our numbers. So if we come together as an industry and stand up for what we know is right and believe in and fight the fight, I think at the end of the day, the numbers are showing that our demand for beef is staying strong. People love a good steak. And hey, beef is protein king. So guys, thanks again for tuning in today. I hope this helped some of you kind of get a better grasp on what's going on with the meat substitutes versus beef. And as always, if you ever have any questions, reach out. I'm happy to answer those questions and let's chat. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to the 2A Ranch Wife podcast. Be sure to head on over to the website at www. Dot Confessions from the 2aranchwife.com for all of today's show notes. Give us a follow on Instagram at 2A Ranchwife and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on an episode. Until next time, thank you. And don't forget to stay in the middle.